A week or two ago, I saw this article about a dinosaur making its comeback in downtown Louisville, and I thought, oh boy, this is going to be good. And then I saw that this story was related to a World's Fair, and I love anything pertaining to a World's Fair, so I was hooked. And this is a great story, so um, I want to take a minute and talk about it. I'm going to tell you the story of Lottie the Triceratops, where she came from, her life's trajectory, and how she ended up in my hometown. Lottie the Triceratops was created by a man named Louis Paul Jonas, who was born in Hungary but moved to the States when he was 12. Jonas went to work at his brother's taxidermy studio in Denver, and then later he moved to New York City where he studied under Carl Akeley, who was a field naturalist, taxidermist, and animal sculptor. And together they created the African Elephant Group in the American Museum of Natural History. And that's just one of many big museum projects that Jonas worked on over the years. But he was also commissioned to create nine fiberglass dinosaurs for the 1964 World's Fair in Queens. At this fair, there were over 140 pavilions, 110 restaurants, it covered 646 acres, and 80 nations were represented. It ran for two six-month sessions with $2 admission, which would be about $17 today. But this fair, looking back, it's actually considered somewhat of a failure. Its theme was peace through understanding, and it was supposed to be about this deep underlying message of unification and peace, but it ended up just being a hotbed of consumerism with all these corporations selling all the newest gadgets, and that's what everybody was focused on. The organizer's goal was attendance of 70 million people, and in the past, these world fair, world's fairs typically exceed expectations. They, they usually get more visitors than anticipated, but that wasn't the case. This one was only attended by 50 million people. So, I mean, they were off by like 20 million visitors. That's pretty bad. This fair also wasn't officially certified by the Bureau of International Expositions. Um, So there was this rule. Um, There was only supposed to be one fair in any given country per decade, and Seattle had just hosted one two years prior. So they didn't get that seal of approval, and then they broke another rule by running the two six-month sessions instead of just one. You're only allowed one. So, I mean, this was a contentious relationship. The man in charge of the fair actually flew to BIE headquarters in Paris, and he made those people so angry that they put out an official request that other countries not participate in this fair, which is why you don't see some of the bigger countries represented. Um, Canada wasn't there. The USSR wasn't there. But a lot of European countries passed. So um, in the photos and stuff, you see the buildings. It's mostly smaller eastern countries that showed up. (laughs) Interesting side note. 
Indonesia was one of the countries that did participate, but right in the middle of the fair, their pavilion was seized, shut down, and barricaded because they had removed themselves from the UN. And so Indonesia got kicked out of the 1964 World's Fair. Uh, The park that hosted the fair was one of many urban renewal projects that the guy in charge had been working on, and he was really hoping that the profits from the fair would help finish his vision for the park, which was in rough shape. I mean, it was partially being used as a garbage dump. But at the end of that first six-month session, the fair was on the verge of bankruptcy. So all in all, not super successful. Uh, But we are way off topic here, so let's get back to the dinosaurs. If you're a company participating in a World's Fair, you need an attention grabber. You need something that's going to draw in the crowd, because every exhibit will be over the top in some form or fashion. So let's talk about Sinclair Oil Corporation. Their branding has the green, white, and red combination and the dinosaur, the brontosaurus. Sinclair's advertising writers first thought about using dinosaurs in their ads way back in 1930. And at first, their ads included 12 different types of dinosaurs, but the brontosaurus was the fan favorite. Now, let me just say that in some places, including Sinclair's website, they call it the apatosaurus, Um, But then in other articles, it's a brontosaurus, and I want you to know that those are, in fact, two different dinosaurs. The apatosaurus is bigger with a lower set neck. Now you know. On their website, Sinclair does acknowledge this distinction, and they basically say that over the years, we've just called it whatever the scientists at the time tell us to call it. So they go on to register their trademark, Dino, in 1932, and a life-size dino appeared in the 1933 Chicago World's Fair in the Century of Progress exhibit. Quote, at the Chicago's World Fair of 1933, Sinclair sponsored a dinosaur exhibit meant to play on the link between the formation of petroleum deposits and the time of dinosaurs, now a largely discredited misconception. Okay, so fast forward like 30 years, and they want to redo the dinosaur theme, but with way better quality animatronics, because the first ones they did in the 30s, they were basically just paper mache. So they hired Louis Paul Jonas, and he consulted with a paleontologist named Barnum Brown, also known as Mr. Bones, And yes, he was named after P.T. Barnum. And Jonas also consulted with John Ostrom. So he was another big name in the field of paleontology in the 60s. Um, Barnum Brown, though, he was 89 at the time he consulted on this project. But it's so cool that they had him involved because he's actually the guy who first discovered T-Rex fossils around the turn of the century. So that's pretty neat. Unfortunately, Brown died shortly before the World's Fair opened. But they spent two years creating these nine life-size dinosaurs for Sinclair Dinoland, and they worked on them in Jonas Studios in Hudson, New York. 
three of them were mechanized, um, the 19-foot-tall T-Rex and their signature dinosaur, the Brontosaurus, and then also our Triceratops, whose head at one point moved up and down. Now, one of my favorite parts of this story is the transport of these huge fiberglass dinosaurs to the fair. Um, there was an old newspaper clipping that actually has a schedule of the dinosaurs' movements, so you could go out and catch a glimpse of them from various viewpoints as they're being shipped down the river. And maybe you all have seen the photos, and I'll definitely post them, but it's really cool to see all these big dinosaurs just floating down the, the river on a big barge. <laughs> and... It was almost like the opening ceremony for the fair because they had to travel a long way and they were followed sometimes by these fire boats that would spray out streams of water and it turned into a spectacle and crowds would come out to watch and cheer. And so once they got to the fair, they were placed in exhibits that mimicked what their natural habitats would have looked like and they were a huge hit. The public loved Dinoland. A brilliant element of this marketing strategy was the Moldorama. These were invented, I think, in the late 50s, and so by the early 60s, a lot of people still hadn't seen them, didn't know what they were, um, but it was this machine that would spit out miniature plastic versions of the dinosaurs for a quarter. And this was really effective because everything at the World's Fair was expensive. You know, it's like going to a music festival now. Drinks are expensive, food is, ex like, you know, everything is expensive. So being able to take home a souvenir for a quarter was a big deal. Um, and so it was so successful that they ended up selling the little plastic dinosaurs in their gas stations across the country. This Moldorama machine is a cool piece by itself. And so I looked it up and it took me to the Barrett-Jackson website where the machine appears to have last sold for $115,000 last year. So apparently I'm not the only person who thought it was cool. Um, it looks like the little molds of the dinosaurs sell on eBay anywhere from 50 to 200 bucks. And if this interests you as much as it does me, you can check out the Mental Floss article, A Brief History of Moldorama. Anyway, the Sinclair Dino Land exhibit was a success, even if the fair overall was not so much. And when the fair was over, the dinosaurs went on tour. Sinclair made these special flatbed trailers as part of their advertising campaign, and they went cross-country. They made an appearance in the 1966 Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. That same year, they made a stop in Louisville at the mall, and they were put on display at the Louisville Zoo in 1970, and that was when the band broke up. After that, they all went their separate ways. Now, Sinclair had offered them to the Smithsonian, but they actually said no thanks. So they were donated to other various museums and institutions across the country. Lottie the Triceratops stayed with the zoo until 1979, and then she was passed along to the Museum of Natural History and Science 
uh, now known as the Kentucky Science Center. And this is where you might remember seeing her if you're old enough, either at the zoo or she sat out behind the Science Center and then she was moved to the parking lot in 1997. And during that really bad flood that year, she was up to her knees in river water. Ironically, this is the worst Ohio River flood since 1964, the year Lottie made her debut at the fair. So they needed to keep her from floating down the river, so they had to cut a hole in one of her legs. And then there were proposals to do all this construction around Museum Row, and so they felt like they needed to go ahead and get her out of the way, so they moved Lottie to a spot near the railroad tracks in the California neighborhood in 2008, and they never brought her back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A Louisville writer named Rocco Jerome thought it was wrong that this dinosaur with this cool history was just sitting abandoned, basically, in a lot by a warehouse. And he started this Facebook page, and he gave her this unofficial name, Lottie. And uh, you can find the page by searching Louisville Triceratops. But this attention worked. She's coming back to the Science Center. They're going to have a name contest to give her a more official name. So you guys should be brainstorming. Let's get creative. Let's give her a cool name. The Science Center has committed $55,000 to her restoration. And when she's done, she'll be placed atop the elevator tower connected to the pedestrian walkway that goes from the parking lot to the Science Center. So it sounds like she'll be well out of the floodplain this time. Uh, but she's got to get cleaned up first. She's been taken to the Weber Group in Sellersburg, where they're working on restoring her to her former glory. I think a sweet detail of this story is that the senior manager of operations at the Science Center, um, he's held on to her fractured tail for over a decade. He's kept it in his office because he said he just didn't want to lose it. I think that's cute. So she's scheduled to be back in about a month. And it sounds like they're planning an unveiling party so people can visit up close before she gets, you know, positioned in her new location. Now, before I hop off here, there is a great twist at the end of this story. What I didn't mention yet is that eight of the nine original dinosaurs from the fair are accounted for. They're in parks and museums across the country, but one is missing. A dinosaur is missing. It's the Ornitholestes, which to be fair is one of the smaller dinosaurs, so maybe easier to get away with, but where did it go? It turns out this little guy was stolen at the fair. 
A newspaper article from the 60s says that both this one and a little archaeoteryx were stolen from the exhibit early one morning. A gardener was out working around the area and noticed they were missing. These two were apparently worth $12,500, and that's in 1960s money. According to the article, they had quite a bit of trouble with theft and vandalism during the fair. Although police believed that what probably happened was one of the 200 or so delivery trucks that went in every night must have loaded a couple of the dinosaurs and taken off with them. I can't help but love this. I mean, I just like thinking that maybe one of these dinosaurs is just sitting in someone's living room right now. I, I just hope it was taken care of wherever it's ended up. So that's the story of Lottie the Triceratops. Um, I just think it's really cool that we ended up with one of these dinosaurs. Now we just need to be sure and take care of it and appreciate it this time. So write in, let me know what you think we should name her. And I wanted to let you all know that I have several topic suggestions and other stuff sitting in my inbox from you guys. And I promise I'm not ignoring you. I've been house and dog sitting. Now I'm about to get a new foster puppy this week. So the podcast wheels are turning a little slowly, but I will respond to everybody. That being said, if you can think of some other cool roadside attractions or objects, oddities, or anything like Lottie the Dinosaur that you think I should talk about on an episode, write an email to kyhistoryhaunts at gmail.com. All right, that's all for now. Until next time, take care.